Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TWS podcast. It's lights out and away we go. I got free sausages sent to me every week for a year. Brilliant. <laughs> no, I never really got uh, I never really got to a place where I could call Michael a friend of mine, really. Don't worry, guys, I'm back. Panic's over. I'm here. And it was Wayne Rooney who walked through the doors. And I remember him saying, just make the most of every moment. Hello, my name is Simon Lazeby and I'm a presenter on Sky Sports. You may have seen me present sports such as the F1, international rugby, England cricket and golf from around the world. However, I wanted to come and give you some information about the TWS Sports Podcast. The TWS Sports Podcast is the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. Each week, they speak to a different sports person and delve deep into their lives talking about the highs and the lows of their career and what makes them a top athlete in their sports. The TWS Sports Podcast were voted the best sports podcast in the world that promotes social equality. They picked up that honour at the 2021 Sports Podcast Awards. So if you're a sports fan and want to hear these great stories with questions from some amazing young people who promote autism, then the TWS Sports Podcast is the podcast for you. Tetnawood School is a school for autistic children and young adults and we have set up this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sports and women sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a former professional rugby player. He was captain of the Leeds Rhinos. Welcome to the podcast, Stevie Ward. Hello, thanks for having me. Before we start, we just wanted to say that throughout this po- that if throughout this podcast, if you have any questions for us about about anything about our podcast or you have a question about autism, then please ask. We like to we like to answer your questions too, because this is an interview, not an interrogation. <laughs> you have not committed any crimes that we know of. We're not. There's no police cameras anywhere. <laughs> I'm more used to interrogations, but I'll, I'll try an interview today. <laughs> we like to start our podcast with some random questions before we start talking about your career. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Oh, uh... stumps everyone. <laughs> uh, who's the most famous? I'd say globally, Boy George. Hmm. Okay. How, how, how did you find out about Boy George? I woke up on Christmas morning to my team WhatsApp group, my Leeds Rhinos WhatsApp group. This is back in 2016. There'd been so many messages and loads of people being out, outraged or surprised, saying, what's going on, all this? And I keep scrolling up my group chat, and there's a screenshot of Boy George um, tweeting a picture of me with some song lyrics next to it. And that's how I first ever became aware of Boy George and, um, you know, we've met up and we've had coffees and he helps me a lot with the performance side of speaking, what I do now. So he's a great guy and um, we catch up every now and then and uh, have the, the most incredible conversations. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oh, my God. It's uh, a good question. I'm, I'm I'm happy with my life, but if I was going to trade for a day to see what it was like, um, I mean, what came to mind was the president president of 
United States just to see how what it's actually like and what the conversations are that they have with themselves, what the conversations are with other people and what the stress is like and um, understanding the the complications of, of something like that. That would be pretty interesting. You probably would have done a better job at it than Donald Trump or the tangerine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I would. You know, I'd, I'd at least look like I've... Um, yeah, I've not got fake tan on when I do my. Uh... At least, yeah, you don't look like you've accidentally fell into a into a wopsit factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's right, it's right. But somehow people follow him, and and he connects with some people. But why? I'm not sure. But yeah, there you go. Right. If you could have any superpower, what would you have, and why? Invincibility, because I like just having me walks and cups of teas and just um, blending into. To the background, invincibility would be pretty cool, and you could you could play games with people and make them believe in ghosts. <laughs> Thank you for answering those questions. Let's try about your career. We want to take you back to the beginning and talk about your childhood. What are your memories of growing up, and did you always want to be a rugby player? My memories growing up uh, were so many amazing moments on the rugby field. And so many moments dreaming about being on a rugby field. I remember naturally I'd catch a ball and I'd move towards the defensive line, which in my mind were big angry men that wanted to tackle me, grab me, throw me on the ground and jump on top of me. But with that fear and that trepidation of moving towards this defensive line, naturally I would veer towards the right and all of a sudden I'd stamp my right foot down to cut into this defensive line. You know, and I I remember I'd, I'd... Close my eyes a little bit, I'd brace for contact, I'd hold the ball tight and I'd hope that I'd pop through to the other side of this line. And all of a sudden I feel these wet arms trailing across my waist, these fingernails scragging at my neck to try and grab me and pull me back, you know. But I remember getting through to the other side of this line, I'd put my foot on the gas, I'd put my head back and I'd hear clear as day from the touchline, I'd hear my mum screaming, saying, go on Stevie! I remember it so vividly. And then there'd be me and I'd venture towards the fullback, who's the last line of defence between me and the try line. I'd go towards him. I'd act on a daydream that I'd had in maths class four days before. I'd drop the ball onto my foot. I'd chip it over the top. I'd run around the side to collect the ball, and I'd sprint home to the try line. And then I'd jump over this line, using the ball as my landed gear, and I'd skid to a stop. And I'd be there in this moment, feeling this warm, golden sensation that everything was just right and I'd stand up I'd turn around and look at my teammates rushing towards me like wide-eyed jumping for joy and be like how good is that I'd be like I know how good was it you know and I remember so many moments like that playing the game and and so many moments of just pure joy and being in the moment and just letting this intelligence just letting this thing sort of like do its thing and I just was there for the ride you know and um, those are some of the best moments that I had playing rugby whether it was on a patch of grass uh, on a school field or whether it was in front of 80,000 people you know you can't you can't beat those moments you made your debut for Leeds against St Helens what are your memories of that game well for that game we all for some reason uh decided to bleach our hair red he was raising money for sport relief and someone had this idea so I had a pink Mohican I'd died my debut first ever game 
we went over to St. Helens and I remember playing another Friday Night Lights in front of the Sky TV cameras and all of us running around. It was it was the most bizarre thing. I was looking around at my teammates who had this pink, red air and some of it was running down, the dives running down people's face. And we left that game, not with just red air, but with red faces because we got absolutely mashed. Okay. Uh, we got, we got the other team were probably thinking, what the what? <laughs> Probably thought, is this a joke? You know, the hell wasn't this color when last time we saw them? Exactly. We they, they probably thought we played like jokes, to be honest. But um, yeah, that was my debut, and I remember just getting on for the last thirty minutes and just throwing myself in there and just trying to get hold of the ball and do my best. But yeah, it was definitely an introduction to what would be a wild roller coaster of a journey. You know, in your first season, you reached the. Challenge Cup final at Wembley. Is it true that Wayne Rooney came to your hotel the night before the final? What did he say to you all? He came, so I played the Challenge Cup final um, two weeks after collecting my A-level results, by the way. Um, and that was in front of 8,000 people at Wembley Stadium. And I remember being so nervous that I was dizzy before and I walked out of this these changing rooms and I remember being smacked by a brick wall of noise, like the most noise I'd ever heard in my life. And it was all down to what we were about to do to go and play. But the game that Wayne Rooney came was before the grand final, um, which is three months after that. And it's at Old Trafford. And he was playing for Man U at the time. And he he, he rocked up to uh, our hotel the night before. We just had a dinner. We were just having a meeting room. And then we had this surprise guest come in. And it was Wayne Rooney who walked through the doors and he's got loads of rugby players that were twice the size of him going and shaking hands with him. And he's probably looking around thinking, oh my God, these guys are bigger than I've seen on TV. Um, and he's walking into this room. And I remember saying, him saying to me um, after the coach said, have you got any words of advice for Steve? He's only 18 years old. And I remember him saying, just live in the moment. Just make the most of every moment because your career goes like, like that. You know, and I always remember that because my career did go like that, you know, and there were so many moments, the finals where they're so big and they mean so much. And you can, there's the temptation to get lost in all of all of what it means, how much people care about it. But all you need to do is just play your game and go back to what it was like playing when you were a young lad. So that's what I remember from that. You were only 18... 18 when you played at Wembley in the cup final how did you cope with such high with, with such a high pressured game at such a young age yeah it's a good question it's a good question I remember um, just thinking myself thinking to myself even though it's in front of 80,000 people even though we've not won a challenge cup for so many years and I'm in this massive position where the most important positions in the field I remember thinking that the game doesn't change, you know, the game does not change. It doesn't matter what level, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. I know my game and I'm going to go out and, and give it my best and um, just play like I know I can play. That's how I dealt with it and it, it worked okay. Um, the following season, you beat Warrington 26-18 in the grand final. How did it feel to win the final after the disappointment of the previous season? It was amazing. I remember yeah, I came off that field um, a little bit early. I came off that field 10 minutes earlier than 
the final whistle because I'd injured my shoulder, and um, it was it was quite it was quite a surreal moment because before that I was running around trying to make tackles like a madman, trying to do as best as I could, and then after making so many tackles, I landed on my side. And my shoulder came out of joint. I dislocated my shoulder. And the next thing, I was in the change room with five minutes to go. I was on laughing gas um, for the pain. And the doctor came in and said, Holy scored, Ryan Hall scored, which meant that we were going to win the grand final. So at this moment, I'm on laughing gas. I've been told at 18 years old I'm going to win the grand final. I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then I got to go out onto the field and present this trophy and celebrate winning this trophy to the fans where the year before I was sat in the stands watching the same thing, you know, so it was very surreal and it was, I'd already achieved a lifetime goal of mine at 18 and it was, it was beyond um, anything that I could have imagined. And it was uh, one of the most amazing moments in my career. Um, At the age of 21, you had a, Great season and Leeds Rhinos were on track for a treble winning season. In the second final, you had a day of mixed emotions. Before the game, you went to the your nan's funeral and the and during the game, you tore your ACL and the team went on to win the game. What are your memories of that game and and was that most provided of you with mixed emotions? <clears throat> Yeah, it, it, it's a really great question, that, because um, it was, it was, I remember scoring the first five minutes of that game and I'd been to my nana's funeral that morning and I was saying to myself that I'm going to be the best player on this field, I'm going to be an absolute machine, I'm going to be a leader, I'm not going to take one step back. And it was, I had one of the best games, I scored an amazing try and um, I can remember celebrating and really celebrating, you know, for... For, for what it meant to me at that moment. And then five minutes before the end, I um, I'd, my ACL went, and before I know it again, I'm in a changing room. And, and it is a moment in my life where I, I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know whether to be happy because we were going to win. I didn't know whether to be desolate because I was going to be out for 12 months. My nan had just died and my emotions were all over. And I remember coming out on the field and the crowd was chanting my name. And they used to do a chant. It went, Stevie, Stevie Ward, Stevie Ward, Stevie, Stevie Ward. Na, 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 na. And I used to love that chant, but I came out and I was like, I felt sorry for myself. But I also was like, do they feel sorry for me? But then it was just, it was so much jubilance because we'd won this amazing game. Uh, but I also knew I was going to be out for 12 months. And I went on to have four operations, um, three on my right knee and then one on my right shoulder, just for good luck, you know. And um, that's that's just a roller coaster of sport and the journey and, and the highs and the lows, and you have to be prepared to to ride it, you know. We heard you talk on another podcast about when you went through a period of depression in 2014. How was that, and how did you cope with that time? Yeah, that was because um, I wasn't playing. Uh, I'd actually get back fit and I wasn't playing to the potential of how I knew I could play or the potential of how others knew I could play. Um, and for me, you know, rugby was always the fight that I'd had in my life and it was always a fight that I was winning. But at that point, it was like I was losing this fight and I sort of didn't know how to how to manage it. I didn't know what to do. 
I didn't really know myself beyond being a rugby player or I'd forgotten about myself beyond being a rugby player. Um, and I found it hard to to sort of deal with that. And I felt depressed. I felt anxious. But those lessons and those feelings were leading me to a, um, what is my authentic self. You know, that I think we've got innate well-being. I think we've got innate performance and creativity. And those feelings were guiding me towards my full full version, which I probably felt like I couldn't be at the time at the Rhinos. You play with two of the greatest rugby players of all time, Kevin Sanfield and Rob and Rob Burrows. What were they both like as people and players? And they have both been through a lot of a lot in the last few years. Yeah, they were um, incredible people, and for different reasons. I remember Sinfield was one of my mentors coming up through, and he really directed me to do my A-levels, funny enough, which I'm so glad they'd give me that um, that motivation and that guidance to do my A-levels because it's so important to me now after I've finished playing rugby. And, um, you know, Kev was such a great leader, really focused and showed you the, the work ethic and work rate that you needed. And then Rob Burrow was one of my best mates in the team. We'd, we'd, we'd walk around the changing rooms doing Ricky Gervais quotes, the office quotes, um, and we'd have the biggest laugh. And um, Robert used to pick me up in the morning when I'd come in and I'd feel a bit, I'd feel a bit insecure, or I'd feel a bit doubtful, or I'd be in pain because of my injuries. And in those moments, I'd just used to have, have to have a laugh with Rob, and then the rest of my day would look look up, you know. And uh, we had such a great environment, such an amazing team, you know. And I'm so lucky to be part of that golden generation. PicturePath is an award-winning visual timeline app that's empowering individuals with autism. This free app provides a simple way for users to plan out activities, such as going to a match or a theatre, using structured timelines that reduce stress and anxiety. Users create a visual timeline that caters to their specific daily needs, allowing them to prepare for activities, events and routines. PicturePath provides a structure that enhances communication, promotes independence, improves memory recall and supports users to manage their day with confidence. Whether for personal use or in educational settings, PicturePath is the ultimate tool for individuals with additional needs, empowering them to manage their schedules, track progress, and enjoy more activities. PicturePath, download the app today. You had a number of big injuries in your career, such as shoulder dislocations, torn ACL, and more. How do you find those moments when you were, you were injured? Yeah. I found them really difficult because, again, I wasn't able to do what I loved. I wasn't able to do what I'd always done. And it made me, I say that I'm lucky to have had those injuries now because it made me have to work out, you know, life. It made me have to, like, understand what life was away from winning and losing, being injured and, and, and not being injured. Um, and it made me sort of ask some deep, difficult questions that, you know, it's put me in good stead for a career after rugby and, um, you know, in, in life now. I feel like this, I've got an ultimate resilience, um, which is, you know, connecting with, I guess, those parts of yourself that when you're growing up and playing rugby, you sort of learn that you can't live by, you know, I I, I sort of live by those now and, and I'm not scared to do it. And, um, you know, I feel like I have a mission in helping men in specific that, that want to perform and they want to feel natural well-being, you know. So, 
it's all part of the story and, 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 and the journey towards where I am now. So back then I was frustrated with it, but now I'm sort of grateful for it. You were captain of Le- of Leeds Rhinos. What sort of captain were you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really felt, you know, there's a, the, the, I picked up at one point um, from how I led as a youngster. I was a captain as a youngster. We used to have these, um, we used to do like the ver- our version of a hacker. You know, when, when we used to play rugby, we used to get into a huddle before the game, before the, the, the whistle would go and we'd, would, you know, usually teams would say like one, two, three Rhinos or one, two, three Raiders, you know, and then sort of go and play the game. But my role as a captain at that point, I got handed down this rice of passage from my from my uh, coach. And my role was to scream the question, who are we? And then the full team would reply, Churwell. And then I'd do, who are we? And I'd do that three times. The full, the full team would reply, Churwell. And for me, that was so important. Before that whistle went and before we crossed that white line and got ready to play, it was important to sort of know who we are and know where that performance is going to come from. So in 2019, when our team was doing terribly and I was injured again, I could see a team that were really confused and we didn't really have an identity as a team. We didn't know what we were playing for. We didn't know um, what we expected of each other. So as a captain, I sort of brought the team together to ask those questions. You know, who are we here? Why are we playing? What what does it mean to us? Why are we here in this moment in time? And why is that going to make an impact on the next the next game, the next season, you know? And that's where I felt I really came into my own as a captain. Um you played in a very successful Leeds teams where you won three grand finals and two challenge cups. What was it? about that team that made it so successful? I think we all, I think we all either got on with each other or understood each other. Um, We understood each other's quirks. We understood um, what it took to win in the playoffs, to win in a final. We understood that level of performance that you needed to get to. And we, um, we didn't, yeah, we respected each other and we, we, we sort of, we could go towards this single goal, which was whatever is best for the team and whatever is best for the win, not for an individual to look good, but what is best for the team and, and how do we all play our roles within that. I think we had that from the relationship we created over such a long time and how we understood each other's games. I think that was what made us special. I'm not so sure about this question, but here I go. Did you ever sacrifice your own happiness and health any at any point during the your rugby career? All the time, yeah, all the time. And um, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the the greater good, you know. And and you have to throw yourself into it. And sometimes you will get lost in it. And sometimes you will be on this roller coaster, and you'll be completely hostage to the wins and the losses and the the injuries and and and, and and being fit. Um, so, yeah, definitely sacrificed my happiness and, and well-being. And a lot of time I felt nervous and anxious, but um, I think you've got to realise that sometimes those things are good. Um, mm-hmm. Feeling nervous and feeling anxious, it's, it's, um, it's sometimes a precursor to 
a better life and um and and sometimes you need to go through things just like go through the defensive line to feel that amazing powerful in well-being that performance sometimes you need to go through the anxiety sometimes you need to push through it and 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 when you have a team when you have an environment that allows that and allows you to to test your limits you know that's 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 where that's where it's at and it, there's always a sweet spot for me you know in between that striving and testing my limits and connecting with people, you know, as long as I was connecting at the same time as pushing my limits, that's where the sweet spot was. Uh, I think that's where team performance really comes to fruition. Yeah, I find that in moments like that, the most important thing is having someone to pull you back from the brink. Yeah, sure. Yes, it, it, of course, of course. And we can all go too far and we can all... Um, find ourselves in a place where we're a bit lost but when we have that connection it's 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 powerful because we've learned along the way and then we know next time where we need to go to and how to manage ourselves better but there's always got to be that learning there's always got to be that connection um and 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 togetherness you know within those moments and you know the 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 agitation it's, it's scientifically proven you know for whether you're learning for your exams whether you're learning a new skill, there's always that agitation in your mind and almost that feeling where you're not sure if you're doing it right. That means you're doing it right because your brain's having to understand something and learn something new. So there's always got to be that push um, and also that collective push. You launched an online magazine and wrote an article called The Dark Side of Sport. Can you tell us about that and how launching that magazine helps you? Yeah, so launching that magazine, um, it was around that moment where I'd done my ACL. You know, my nana had died, I'd done my ACL and I had 12 months of injury. And um, I can remember feeling anxious a lot of the time. I remember feeling like I was always late for something, like I was losing ground or I was on a treadmill that was going too fast and I was trying to find some stability. Um, and I remember that I had so much time. I was I was doing my rehab and it was a time for me to do a lot of thinking, but doing the magazine allowed me to put my active mind into something and to create something and to, to make something. Um, so I had I had loads more thinking time, but it was productive and it was finding stuff out about how to run a magazine. It was finding stuff about interviewing people, how to transcribe these interviews, uh, how to record a podcast, so all of this energy that I had, when he was going on a rugby field, usually he needed somewhere else, and that's what the magazine was for. If a player injures their ACL or dislocate their shoulder, the club physios and doctors are well trained to rehab that player. However, what was your experience of club supporting you and other players who've had injuries, and what is the rehab like? Again, you know, having that sort of tight-knit group um, really helped at the Rhinos. You know, sometimes I knew the physio better than I knew my best mates at times because I was injured a lot. Um, but that always helped to get you back out on the field. And, um, you know, now for concussion, when I was back playing, there was some understanding, but not loads. Um, and now it's getting better and better. I know that teams are keeping people out for longer. Teams are making sure that they do using tackle technique and 
and training people to to sort of avoid hitting the head and you know so it's it's getting better and better you know the more and more I find out about concussion um and and it's it's not just about rectifying the physical injury but making sure that when you come back playing you're confident and you're ready to go you know that's one of the biggest things to do do you look back on your career with any regrets um I wish at one point I'd have got like a performance coach. I wish at about 25, you know, there's a lot going on at the club. There was lots of changes going on. I'd have a lot of injuries and um, I wish at a point, you know, instead of me just trying to find out myself, I'd ask, I'd just gone to someone and asked some questions and got some guidance and, and confirmation that I was on the right path. You know, that's one thing that I wish I'd have done. Um, but, you know, sometimes... You know, the, the, the teacher arrives when the student's ready, you know, and possibly at that point I wasn't ready. Um, so that that's one thing that, you know, I think would have helped my game and, and my mental health off the pitch as well. Um, and then sometimes I think, funny enough, I probably worked too hard and, and, and tried to control things too much. Um, whereas sometimes, like I said, in that, that opening sequence, you know, sometimes life just, you have to trust life. You have to trust that you're going to be all right, you know, and um, working through that fear is, is, is really rewarding when you're guided and you know how to do it. You were selected to play for England in the 2017 World Cup, but you got injured before the tournament. What are your memories of that time and how did you feel? Yeah, so I'd, 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 in a semi-final, you know, it's a recurring theme in my career, but before these big finals and um, in these games, I'd, I'd be playing out my skin, but then along would come an injury that would rip away um, a final or a tournament. And I remember in 2017, it was the semi-final where I dislocated my shoulder. We'd got through to the final. And... I had gone to hospital because I dislocated my shoulder. They couldn't put it back in place. So I had to wait till the next morning for him to take me down to theatre and put me to sleep so they could put my shoulder back in. And two days after that, after some moping around and feeling upset and frustrated and feeling sorry for myself, I decided that I'd make a decision to play for the grand final uh, against Castleford. And within that decision would mean that I'd probably miss the England World Cup. But I knew what my win was. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what felt right. And weirdly enough, it was to play um, six days after a, a dislocated shoulder because I knew I'd be able to do it. And I knew it'd hold and I knew my teammates would be there for me. And, um, you know, I made my decision that, that I'd play for the Rhinos and, and throw everything into that. And luckily, we won the final. We won the grand final. And after that, I meant that I'd missed the World Cup, but, you know, I went away. I, I got away from rugby. I'd gone to India. I went to Australia um, and had a really good off-season and, um, and and enjoyed my life. So sometimes you miss things, um, but sometimes you just have to be prepared for, for what, what's next um, and what else could come from it. Your career ended through a concussion injury. Can you tell us about that moment and at the time, did you realise how bad that injury would be? Um, sort of, it was new territory for me. Um, it was it was awful. I remember sleeping for four or five hours in the day and I was having migraines and feeling dizzy and 
I can still feel the migraines now. Well, I still do, and I still get dizzy. Um, and it's been something that's been with me for three years. But um, at that point, it was completely new. I didn't really know what was going on, and it was you know, I wanted to play, and it was really hard to sort of deal with. Um, and you know, now I've I've retired, and um, I've had to you know sort of take a step back really, and sort of see where my purpose lies and, and, and what it is for me next. And, you know, despite finishing playing rugby, I'm 29 and I'm doing the prime of my career. So even though I'm not on that rugby field, you know, I can speak to the players that are playing now and give them some guidance and inspiration. And also I'm, I'm a speaker and I go out and I speak in, in front of quite a lot of people and companies and teams and, it gives me a real buzz, you know. It feels like I'm. That's what I'm meant to be doing. So as long as I stay on that path, I'm all right. And there's a there's a quote a quote from Nietzsche, who's um, a philosopher from, uh, uh, from from years ago. But he said, if you have a strong enough why, you can cope with almost any how. And I feel like I'm on that why, you know. That's that's where I'm at, and I, I felt that why during so I was playing, but also I feel that why now. If we spoke to some of your former teammates, what do you think they would say about you? Well, that's a good question. Uh, they'd probably say a lot. They'd probably say a lot. They'd probably say that I worked hard for them, you know, and that um, tried to, to bring the team to a certain level. They'd probably say that I was a bit crazy at times. They'd probably say that... Um, uh, yeah, I'm a good guy, I think, and um, and hopefully they'd, they'd, they'd say that I was kind and, and generous and um, want to give back, you know, and, and hopefully a good player as well. You know, I never wanted to, to leave that field without giving everything, and at times I probably gave too much, but, um, you know, that was always important for me um, in, in my career, so maybe they'd say something along those lines, and maybe they'd say I've got fantastic hair now as well. <laughs> um, head injuries have been talked about a lot over the last few years in rugby can more be done in rugby to make the game safer well there can always be more done there can always be more done I think we need to get to a level where there's um, enough being done and I think you know it, is, it has changed more people are speaking about it you know at the Rhinos I see that they're holding people back for longer and the changing the tackle technique and working with them for a few months to make sure that everything's in order, um, which is good. Um, so th there's more being done on that. There's more awareness. There's concussion guidelines now um, for amateur sport, you know, and that's been long overdue in, in my mind. Um, probably still not enough, um, but I think it'll be an evolution uh, and it'll continue over the next few years. You have started the company Mentality. Can you tell us a, a, tell us about what that, that is, please? Sorry. Yeah, so Mentality started when I was 2016 and I realised that we weren't doing enough around mental health and weren't doing enough to guide young men um, with their mind as the first point of address. You know, it was, you know, if, if you imagine coming to this, this planet without um, any guidance, it's going to be pretty tough. And I think a lot of men do come to this 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 life and they don't have a toolkit and they don't have um guidance for how to live 
their best life and 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 uh, mentality really was for that and it took on the form of a podcast we have a counseling service a coaching service and now obviously do a lot of speaking so that's that's the why behind mentality and um i think it was important because i did it whilst i was playing i did it whilst i was playing six days after dislocated shoulder and i showed that you can speak about the hard side of life whilst being a hard look yourself you know how have you changed since you've gotten older? Would a 21-year-old Stevie V. Ward talk so openly about his mental health? No, probably not, because I didn't see much people doing it around me and I didn't see that my experience of the world was matching with other people's and I felt uh, a bit sort of isolated with that. But then I realised that the reason why is because of stigma. I don't think mental health is something to be scared about. I think we just have different emotions that pass through us every day, every moment. There's things that comes up for us that's probably from our childhood and we've learned to go around it and steer around it. Um, and I, I think it's just life. You know, I, I think we're on this planet that's 4.5 billion years old and uh, it's the only known life that we have and everything sort of has worked and uh, I think we, we get to a point where it's natural for us to feel emotional. It's natural for us to, to cry. It's natural for us to feel nervous. But over the years, it's it's been sort of shut down and either you feel like there's something wrong with you or you feel like it's not allowed. So for me, that didn't feel right. And, you know, 21-year-old me wouldn't have thought about it, but 22 when I was out for 12 months and thought that I myself needed to learn and I myself needed to, to open up, but also the rest of the world and, and, and rugby league. So yeah, definitely when I was 21, um, everything was going well for me. So I didn't need to, but after that, you know, I realized it's all, all just part of the same thing. And if we can go through the fear when addressing it, we're, we're, we're living a good, good life, you know? Do men need to be more open and honest when it comes to talking about mental health and asking for support? Well, we don't need to do anything, but we can. You know, it's it's we've all got a choice, um, and the one thing that we can do is understand our responsibility, um, and how not doing it can affect us, but also how um, the environment is set up. You know, we can have an environment that that allows us to feel safe to be ourselves if, if, and, and, and brave enough to be ourselves. So for me, that's my mission, you know, creating that and helping that and um, and really sort of dialing down on and, and, and creating that environment where people can do it themselves. Are you, sorry, sorry I was jumping, are you finding now mental health be more talked about that more rugby players or sportsmen in general are coming forward and, and talking about it, being more open about it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. More people are feeling like they've got agency to do so. You know, I, I was speaking to a young lad this morning who's at the Rhinos and I was talking about, you know, how I see the world and how I see our authenticity, you know, which is our natural self where we have well-being, we have creativity, we have performance. That's underneath a lot of the stuff where we complicate things, you know, and, and we, we sort of deal to to cover it up and we 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 hide that part of ourselves from the world. But in reality, that's our goal. That's our natural well-being. 
Um, and a lot of the stuff in the rugby environment, you know, there's a lot of banter. There's a lot of like, you know, whenever you put your head above the parapet, people will, will shoot you down and you learn to cover up and you learn to fold and defend yourself. But um, it's all unproductive. But the, the people are starting to understand that now. People are starting to understand that that it matters. Mental health is is something that we all have, and we we have responsibility to to look after it. And you see it more in the media. You see it more in the change rooms, and there's more compassion towards it as well. What is your goal moving forward with man mentality? Um. I'm really focusing on the speaking at the minute. I'm really focusing on getting on my, my message right and and speaking to people and, and teaming up with people and connecting with people that are on the same wavelength. And then I think mentality will come through in the form of workshops and um, it'll allow me to do podcasts with people. It'll allow me to help people in the community. And, um, you know, that's where I see mentality as, as an operation and, and as an organisation. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how I see it. Coming on. Who do you do these talks to? Oh, I do it to um, companies like wealth management companies, uh, engineering companies. I do it to um, sports teams, football teams. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's crossing a spectrum at the minute. And, and what I, I feel like I'm aiming towards is like that elite performance and creative industries i think that's where my where i'm drawn to uh and then to help the everyday man sort of realize realize this and realize their potential before we finish we would like to play a game with you that we play with all our guests the game is called wrong answers only we will ask you a range of questions and you have to give us the wrong answer are you ready that's an amazing game, yeah. I'm pretty good at this usually, so I might be all right. <laughs> all right, then. Favourite ground you've played at? St. Ellen's. Okay. Best player you ever played with? <laughs> um, Tom York. Highlight of your career? Uh, oh, my God. This is really hard for me to get. I like my career. Um, tripping up, walking onto the field. Favourite TV programme? Favourite TV programme? Yeah. Uh, that's hard to think of a rubbish one. Uh, I'm trying to think of a really bad one that I've seen to give it justice. But I can't. Um, so, uh, um, bad balls. <laughs> okay. The best thing about Stevie Ward is... We're sorry, we always basically ask our guests to insult themselves. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Walks down the street and nearly wanted to fall over. No <laughs> oh, highlights, aren't they? Every week on the podcast, we like our guests to ask questions to each other. So we get a guest to ask a question, but they have no idea who the question is going to be for. This week's question comes from a previous guest who was former Welsh rugby player Jonathan Davis. Who we spoke to earlier. Yes. And he asked, what is the best advice you have had in your career? Um, just one. Just one. That's the best advice that I got. Instead of always thinking and wondering what you've got to do, what it's got to look like, I just had a say to me, just one. And then everything had happened after that. Okay. 
Okay. Could you just do the same, please? Can you think of a question for our next next guest? But we aren't going to tell you who it who the guest is. The question can be anything you want. What would you put on a billboard if you had either a sentence or a word to put on a billboard that everyone would see? I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. Really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, CEV. We really enjoyed speaking to you, and it means so much to us as a school to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. I really appreciate you doing amazing work. I appreciate you guys. You know, you, I think you're doing some great work. And those questions are really good. <laughs> thank you. So, thank you so much, and best of luck. Can't wait to see you guys on Radio 1 soon. Um, so, Alyssa... How did you feel chatting to Stevie Ward? It was great. He's a good guy. I still can't. I just feel sorry about his head things. Ouch. Yeah. Like, you know, and not only that to hear about was like interesting, but like, I'm I'm glad that, you know, there's more people in the sport who have also opened up about like their difficulty that they've had to put up with mentally and how they've mm-hmm. conquered it because, you know, that takes time and, Personally, myself, I've also been in that stage many twice in my life. So you know, it's it's it takes a lot to get through that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's times like that when you realise that in those cases they really don't have many things in different from kids with autism. They're also struggling with things. True, I agree. everyone can get like that sometimes. Many thanks again to everyone who's listening to our podcast. Really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're not already, make sure to follow us on our social medias, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you're not already, make sure to also subscribe to the uh, TWS Sports Podcast YouTube channel. Thanks, everyone, again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye! The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.